Hebrews Bible Study, Part 27, When Time Fails, for lay leaders and deacons to conduct after the Sunday service or during a midweek Bible study session. Hear the word of our Lord from Hebrews chapter 11, verses 30 to 40. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient, because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us that apart from us they should not be made perfect. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Finishing the Hall of Faith chapter of Hebrews, the author has laid the groundwork to reveal that the basis for harmony with the Old Testament saints is found in sharing their faith. It is contrasted with the first century understanding that a Hebrew was connected to the Tanakh via bloodline, the prominence of Abraham and the Mosaic law. To counter this, the author begins with faith in God's act of creation, Hebrews 11 verse 3, demonstrating that one cannot even begin to appreciate the saints of old without starting with faith in the true God. Then he shows the importance of faith in those antediluvian saints who had no Abrahamic line nor Mosaic law to fall back on, that it was faith which led to their achievements. Moving on to Abraham, Moses, and all those saints around them, the matter is no different. They operated on faith. Now, lest one hold that the rest of the chapter is just filler, since the author is bringing up various saints in a more broad spectrum approach, they are important for understanding God's estimation of these people. One might claim that Rahab the prostitute was nothing more than a terrified pagan hooker who let people in because she didn't want her throat slit by spies. 
To the contrary, the author of Hebrews says that Rahab is somebody who converted and became a faithful saint. She did not perish with the other pagans because by faith she gave a friendly welcome to the spies. Gideon might be portrayed by some to be a wishy-washy fence-sitter who accidentally did what God said. Barak may be considered a coward who allowed a woman to fight for him. Samson's sins might be portrayed as a contemptuous young man who did not care for God's laws. Jephthah, the rash individual who sacrificed his daughter. All of these saints have their sins, which we could paint them in the ugliest colors on account of them. However, the author of Hebrews, writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, tells us that these are saints who conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, and so forth. They were actually heroes whom our Lord holds in high esteem on account of their faith. All of these also point to the contrast in the life of the saint between the great power that faith holds and the amazing things that happen through faith and the opposition and persecution which one experiences on account of that faith. Verses 33 through 35 describe amazing feats, conquering, justice, receiving blessings from God, overpowering great beasts and so forth, becoming mighty in war, and even receiving loved ones back from the dead. But in the last half of verse 35 and moving onward to verse 38, the passage describes persecution. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. An example of this would be Jeremiah who was beaten and thrown into a cistern and he did not leave until they forced him to leave. Mocking and flogging, chains and imprisonment, as the prophet Micaiah was placed in a tower, presumably until he starved to death. They were stoned, as happened to Zechariah. They were sawn in two, as the traditions hold regarding to Isaiah, slain by King Manasseh and his soldiers. They were killed with the sword. There is also a case to be made that when the author says killed with a sword, went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, and mistreated, he may be connecting the Old Testament saints to recent events. When the book of Hebrews was written, John the Baptist's life was still within living memory for many people. They remembered a man who was clothed in hide, who lived in the wilderness in relative poverty, eating wild honey and locusts, truly destitute and then afflicted and mistreated. Ultimately, St. John the Baptist was killed with the sword as Herod's daughter demanded his head. 
And of all of these saints, given the pain and persecution which they underwent, the author of Hebrews says the world was not worthy. Some having had to resort to living in mountains, dens, and caves, as the prophets did under the reign of King Ahab when Bathsheba decided to try to kill them all. One might note that the hiding in caves dynamic was replicated in the early church era under Roman persecution, thus founding the monastic and eremitic orders of the churches today. However, in contrast, the Old Testament prophets left their caves when the persecution ended. We do, as Lutherans wish, that the monastics of today would follow in their footsteps. To encourage and comfort the saints in the Hebrew congregation, the author is giving them examples of men and women who did wonderful, mighty things by faith. To further edify them, he speaks of the pain and persecution that the Old Testament saints also underwent to demonstrate that they are not alone in undergoing what might be called the theology of the cross. It also highlights the already but not yet nature of the kingdom of God. Where the believer is empowered, he is blessed. He is mighty in the faith, but at the same time, he does not have the realized and actualized perfect promise that we are given in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is why in verse 39 the author says, All these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised. They did receive some promises, as verse 33 states, obtained promises, but they did not have what they fully yearned for. God had provided something better for us, the author says, that apart from us they should not be made perfect. They did not receive the entirety of the gospel. They did not receive the resurrection yet. They, like us, were told to wait and hold on to it. The human soul yearns for heaven. No matter how many earthly blessings we receive from our Lord, there is a part of us that will not be satisfied until we are received into the kingdom of God in its full actualization, the resurrection and our residence in the New Jerusalem. As Solomon writes in Ecclesiastes 3.11, he has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. Old Testament believers persisted in the faith despite not seeing the completion of the promise of heaven and of eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. God, not wanting us to be deprived of this, made sure that they did not receive the promise until we, as the Christian church, have received it as well. 
Next week we will begin discussing chapter 12 in which the author teaches us how to apply these lessons concerning faith and the attitude we must have under pressure. But until then, the Lord bless you and keep you. Amen and amen.